coming to you from our new home at DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. We are the Superflex Super Show. We talk QB values, Superflex strategies, evaluate and debate Superflex trades, plus our own twist on Superflex team management with exercises like Tinderflex, Super 6, and You Are Nuts. So when you're done with this awesome DLF podcast, find us on Twitter at Superflex Show and join us in the discussion of the fastest growing format in all of fantasy football, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am your host, Dan Myler, and with me, as always, Ryan McDowell and Matt Price. Fellas, football is back. Week one is almost in the books as we are recording on Sunday evening, pre-Sunday night football. So we won't be getting to any of the primetime games from the weekend, but we're going to cover everything else that happened in week one of the NFL season. We're going to debut a new format this year, guys, uh, for for really the entire season, we project at least. Um, we're going to do a transaction scene. Excuse me, transaction... We're going to do a transactions theme. So we'll go game by game through the NFL schedule for the particular week we are on. Choose a player from that contest and give our thoughts on how dynasty owners should approach the player going forward. We'll talk about buys, sells, ads, and maybe even some drops throughout the season. Before we get to that, though, there is some... uh, some news, I guess, that is noteworthy. I think it, we're contractually obligated as a fantasy football podcast to lead off the show with Antonio Brown this week after everything that went on in Oakland and then in New England. Quickly, guys, uh, we don't have to recap everything that happened, but as a dynasty owner, Ryan, how are you approaching Antonio Brown if he's already on your roster? I think if he's already on my roster, I'm probably just holding, uh, at least for the early portion of the season. I want to see how how things turn out. Obviously, he landed in, uh, I think, what most would consider an excellent spot with the Patriots. Um, Certainly better than what we could have expected with with Oakland, at least as far as his numbers. So for me, if if he's on my roster, I'm holding. I would certainly consider selling if if a strong offer came along. Uh, I I got a few offers over the past uh, couple weeks as the the drama was unfolding, and and none of those those were all just buy low attempts, which which I respect. But um, now I, I think the price has gone up certainly. So uh, I've I've already seen him traded in, in a couple different leagues for multiple first round picks. That's what I would be looking for. That would be. Uh, actually pretty easy sell for me if I got two first rounders, uh, especially if they were both from that 2020 class. Uh, if, if I don't have him on my roster though, I'm, I'm certainly not, um, going out and, and trying to acquire him. 
Uh, as I said, I think the price has gone up, and and honestly, he's just not a guy I want to root for at all. Yeah, not a guy I want to root for at all either. I, I know I've seen some of that double first-round offers going around or some of those trades that have gone down. I don't even think it would take that much for me, Matt, and let's bring you in on this conversation as well. It feels to me like if I got a first plus something for Brown and I didn't need him to be a true contender this year, that would be a pretty easy accept for me, especially if I was anything close to a rebuild. Uh, what are your thoughts on Brown and what it would take to prime away from you? Yeah, I feel similarly to you guys. I, I think I, I mean, if somebody, somebody randomly offered him to me on, on a contending team where I, I knew I was going to have a late first, then I might take a stab at it at that point. Uh, but largely I'm going to be looking to sell if, if I get anything like Ryan said, two first or first and a nice prospect, like you mentioned, Dan. Uh, but otherwise it just seems like if you own them, I don't really think those offers are going to come too often. You know, you're going to have your, your, your owners that are still all in, but, but for me, I just feel like if you have them on your team, you're going to just have to, you know, sit back and, and stay on that roller coaster. You know, it's been up and down, up and down. We had this weird window where we had a buy and then we had a sell window really quickly. And now we're at, the, at this weird spot where you can go both directions, depending on the uh, the owners in your league and the state of your own roster. So it's it's a weird time to be an Antonio Brown owner, maybe the weirdest time uh, of all offseason somehow. Yeah, somehow. Uh, for the record, though, we should state that uh, it appears that Antonio Brown is in a good place for dynasty owners. So if you are a contender and and you need those points, they, they appear like they're going to be coming throughout the 2019 season, at least. Let's start our transaction theme, guys. Matt, you had the Thursday night game between the Packers and the Bears. Who do you choose as the player to highlight out of that ballgame? Uh, there's there's not a whole lot to highlight of that game, <laughs> Dan, except for we got a win on, on, on the opening night for the Packers. Um, but I went with Allen Robinson, and, and he's going to be a sell for me, actually. And it's not really a condemnation of the player. You know, I think he looks, you know, maybe not all the way back to that, that early Jaguars form. Uh, but, you know, he, he looks strong and tough at the catch point, he, you know, fast but not quite the burner. He looked he looked like the a little bit like the Allen Robinson of old, to be honest with you. But I just... I just I don't trust Trubisky, and I don't think I'm ever going to trust Trubisky. Uh, he just looked really bad out there at times. There, it, it almost was reminiscent of Allen Robinson with Bortles sometimes, where you see in the background Robinson wide open, you know, occasionally waving his hands like, "Hey, throw me the ball," that kind of thing. And despite the fact that he had 13 targets, 102 yards, uh, I just don't think Trubisky has a fast enough processor to read Robinson the way he needs to be read. Uh, and and we also have to look at the other weapons on there. Taylor Gabriel paid 60 snaps to uh, Anthony Miller's. Four I don't know if that's because of something's going on with him in the doghouse or still maybe some lingering issues. But once Miller kind of gets more involved, once Tariq Cohen gets more involved as a passer, if David Montgomery gets more involved as a passer, as a pass catcher, uh, you know, we saw Mike Davis out there catching targets, too. So it just seems like there's a lot of uh, uh, people out there that can suck up some targets. And I just don't think Trubisky is the guy to really get it to them. I guess the one thing you could say is if he kind of locks on to Robinson like he did in week one, then maybe there's something there. But I just think we're going to be leaving a lot of points on the field this, with, with, with A-Rob uh, just based on his quarterback situation. So for me, if I can get uh, basically any first-round pick, I'm taking it. Uh, if I could pivot to another receiver in that range like T.Y. Hilton, uh, Tyler Lockett, maybe even all, all the way down as far as, as D.K. Metcalf, I might think about that. Uh, in the trade finder, I found that there were several deals uh, in, in September, so inside of this month, uh, one for Cooper Cup straight up, one for O.J. Howard straight up. So all of these kind of pivots I would be looking to make if I had Allen Robinson on my team. 
You know, I if I had had this game as well, Matt, I would have chosen Robinson, but I'd have had a hard time after watching it calling him a sell. I understand where you're coming from, and I agree with a lot of the points that you made, especially about the quarterback and how that kind of unfolded throughout the game as Trubisky made multiple bad reads and, and poor throws uh, and, and bad decisions altogether. Uh, it, it, it didn't feel like a the kind of game where you, where you say, man, I want some of his targets because it's not going to be consistent quarterback play, or at least it doesn't appear that way. I think the one thing you said there is the is the fact that I came out of that game with is is that the, the Allen Robinson that we saw in week one in 2019 is the A-Rob that we remember from the, from the 14 touchdowns and the 1,400 yards and all those catches in Jacksonville a few years ago. Allen Robinson wasn't all the way back a year ago in his first year in Chicago. Uh, at least through one game in 2019, he looks like that wide receiver one type player. Um, he's going to be peppered with targets. Maybe those targets aren't that great, but Allen Robinson did it with an even less likely quarterback in, in Bortles in Jacksonville. So, so I... While I agree that if you get a great offer for Allen Robinson, selling isn't the worst thing, I'm happy I got Allen Robinson on a few of my teams. Ryan, let's move on to the Atlanta Falcons and the Minnesota Vikings. You had this game, a player you chose in our transaction theme to highlight here? Yeah, I've got Adam Thielen here. He had a, had a solid game, uh, caught three passes, caught all three of his targets, actually, four, 43 yards, and a touchdown that was good enough to... Uh, be the leading receiver on his team. And, and honestly, that's part of the problem. Uh, you, you look at the Vikings game plan, and this is something we talked about uh, earlier in our, our wide receiver show a couple weeks ago, and this has been talked about all offseason when, when we look at that Vikings uh, offense and the moves they made that we expect them to be a run-heavy team. I didn't expect them to be this run heavy, though. They ran the ball 38 times, only 10 pass attempts for Kirk Cousins. And and that was a uh, that was a recipe for a big win over a strong Falcons team. So um, certainly don't see them going away from that plan anytime soon. You look at Thielen, and I think a lot of dynasty players still have that that start to last season in their mind when they think of him, and and maybe are even still valuing him that way. He started the 2018 season with seven straight games of 10 targets. He also had a a uh, hundred yard streak and I believe a hundred yard with a touchdown streak to start the season. But if you look at his most recent games uh, this week, week one was his sixth straight game with, uh, without eclipsing a hundred yards. It was his fifth straight game with single digit targets. Uh, You look at the start of last season, weeks one through nine, he was the wide receiver one Uh, weeks 10 through 17. He was the wide receiver 30. So that's, that's a real concern. He's also, um, he had that, that late career breakout. So he's a little bit older maybe than we might think, even though he's only been relevant for, uh, two to three years now. He's got an ADP of 26 overall in September. Some guys, a few guys that are below him, Brandon Cooks, Chris Godwin, George Kittle, DJ Moore. Those are all guys I would uh, pretty easily take even up over Adam Thielen. Yeah, if there's a guy in Minnesota to to try to profile as a as a guy that that you want to get off your roster, uh, if you if you're anybody that likes to build around youth and and go for the upside, Thielen seems to project that way. Uh, Matt Ryan, I wonder, like, I was thinking about Stephon Diggs a little bit when I was watching this game and and where his value lies. 
associated with Thielen and just that offense in general. I wondered if you thought about talking about Diggs here and how he compares to Thielen, what your thoughts are on the two as a group. Sure. Well, uh, he's, I mean, he certainly has the same concerns as far as the overall offense that, that they're not going to pass the ball as much as they did a, a year ago. So that, that, would be the same with Diggs. I mean, Diggs is younger. Diggs was also on the injury report today, and and that's kind of a, a pretty well-known narrative that if he's on the injury report, even if he is active, uh, it, it's going to be a, a down game for him, and that's what we saw today. So uh, not quite as worried with Diggs as far as his long-term value as I am with Thielen. Yeah, me as well. Uh, I just get so nervous. When I saw him on that injury report, I pulled him out of a few of my lineups. And yeah, he had a couple of catches and, and you know, Diggs played his role for sure. Uh, but man, it just, it, you don't feel confident putting Diggs in your lineup week to week when, when you know he's dealing with some kind of uh, soft tissue injury or lower leg injury. Those, those never seem to work out for him, as you mentioned. I had the Tennessee Titans and the Cleveland Browns, their matchup on Sunday. And, you know, while I really wanted to highlight AJ Brown and what he did in his debut for the, for the Titans catching three balls for a hundred yards, uh, and looking like the big play playmaker for the Titans, uh, I decided to go on the other side of the ball in Cleveland on the Cleveland Brown side of the ball and talk about Baker Mayfield and how disappointing his, uh, opening game of the season was 25 of 38, 285 yards, did throw a touchdown, but those three interceptions were backbreakers for the Browns. He certainly didn't look good, fellas, uh, throwing the ball into coverage, making poor reads. Uh, the interception on the out route to his left, it was like a five-yard out route. Um, it, it was as if he didn't even see the defender in the way, threw it right to him. The defender ran the route for the receiver, and I shook my head multiple times. He could have thrown a couple more interceptions in the game. There were a lot of dynasty owners touting Baker Mayfield as that next big star, and he was going to take that next big step for dynasty owners, be the guy that we could put in our lineups week in and week out. Didn't matter who he was playing, where he was playing, any of those type of things. Moved all the way up to third in our dynasty rankings on DLF and uh, is way up there in the top five in ADP as well at the position. So uh, while we all expected a big step forward from Baker Baker Mayfield in 2019, it seems uh, like maybe we should pump the brakes just a little bit on those expectations. We're still buying into the long-term hype, the long-term upside of Baker Mayfield. It may not come this quickly despite all those weapons in Cleveland. Yeah, there's, I, I think to me, there are two games so far that we've seen in this week one uh, slate that dynasty players really need to take a stand on and make a decision with. And, and the Browns, the Browns game was one of those certainly because that was, that was not what any of us expected. Even if you weren't quite buying into the, the hype of uh, the Browns as Super Bowl contenders and uh, full of, top three to five players at every position. Um, you certainly expected them to be much improved uh, from last year, even even as they ended the season on a hot streak. And, and that's not what we saw today. Um, add on top of all that, and uh, that Mayfield came out of that game with a with a hand injury, and, and that adds a little more, uh, you know, even a little more concern. Uh, uh, Dan, are, are you selling Baker at this point? 
you know, I'm not selling Baker because after that that showing on Sunday, we're <laughs> that leaves a bad taste in everybody's mouth. Uh, well, he had all the hype going into the year, and, and it seemed like everybody was buying. I think most dynasty owners are looking for a little discount on that price tag of of just a few days ago, and I wouldn't be willing to give any kind of any kind of discount, especially in a super flex league. Yeah, and you know, you you wrote on the agenda too, Dan. If we're worried about him being a top twelve quarterback, maybe like for twenty nineteen, like you mentioned, but like let's just looking at our quarterback rankings. Like Ryan and I both have him at three uh, on here, an average ranking of three. But if you go down this list, you know, as you get outside the top 12, there's not a whole lot of people that you can see really see replacing him, at least from a dynasty perspective. You know, at 13, we have Winston, then Garoppolo, Cousins, Darnold, Trubisky, Stafford, Allen, Breeze. You know, just none of these guys really seem like ones that can jump in and replace him. So in terms of like long term, I, I don't, like you mentioned, I, I just don't think we can really discount him in terms of that. Maybe we move him down to the bottom half of the top 12. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't be looking to sell for a discount either. Yeah, if anything, he's probably a buy for for mo- on most teams, especially teams that are rebuilding. Maybe that maybe in a super flex or two quarterback league, Baker Mayfield is is on a contending roster, and, and that guy really needs a a guy that he can trot out there every week. Uh, we might even be a couple weeks away from getting any kind of discount or, or even making him available in trade from any Baker Mayfield owner. Most likely, those guys that that have Baker on their teams. They, they want them there, and they're, they're in it for the long haul. Matt, you had the Rams and the Panthers. Who'd you pick there? Believe it or not, even though this is the two of my favorite players on these two teams, and McCaffrey and, and uh, Cooper Cup, neither of them did I pick for, for the buy-sell transaction section. Um, I actually went with Tyler Higby, uh, four of five targets, four catches five on five targets, 20 yards and a touchdown. Not super impressive, obviously, but we are starting to see, I think, that he's he's kind of broken from – uh, the packet, if you were, if you were to include Gerald Everett in there, who we were excited about since he was a McDay, Big Bay draft pick, but but Higby they actually gave the extension to. They just signed him to a, a three-year or sorry, a four-year, thirty-one million dollar contract with fifteen point five guaranteed. So clearly they want him involved in this offense, uh, and he's the one that profiles more as that two-way tight end. He's going to be the blocking guy, whereas Everett is is mostly just a pure receiver at this point. So he's going to be in there more in these uh, eleven personnel sets with three wide receivers that the Rams like to run. You know. I I do think they will start to go to more 12 personnel with both of those tight ends out there uh, as they get this running game going. Uh, but it seems like Higby is the guy they want involved there. Uh, there's a little bit of overlap with Cup, I think, in the way that they're used. But, you know, especially in the red zone area of the field, once we get towards the end zone, I think Higby's going to be a big player in that. So um, if, if we can go out and buy him, we don't even really need to buy him, to be honest with you. Go check your waiver wire leagues if it's in a shallow league because he's probably out there. Um, I looked on the trade finder a little bit. Uh, not a whole lot there. Single tear. Uh, where did he go? Actually, I didn't find anything for Blake, and I lied. I don't have any trade finders for Blake for uh, for uh, uh, Tyler Higby. So he's probably on your waiver wire, and if he's not, then you can probably have him for. I mean, you we might not even have to pay a third round pick, but if you do have to pay a third round pick and you need a tight end, I think there's probably worse ways you could go. Yeah, and what what really works in Tyler Higby's uh, favor here, Matt, is the offense that he plays in, and while he does share a role with another tight end and it seems like he runs a lot of the same routes as the the guy that mans the slot there in Los Angeles Higby did look good on Sunday I I really liked what I seen in the middle of the field from him he scored that touchdown of course worked real close to the line of scrimmage in this game at least with his receptions if you go back and watch the entire game though he was down the field
field from time to time, there are going to be those opportunities for him to stretch the middle of the field for that offense. So uh, you have him listed as a buy. You mentioned it. He's probably just an ad. Uh, certainly somebody dynasty owners should be making waiver claims for. Matt, if you were, uh, if you happen to need a tight end or have even just have a roster spot and see Tyler Higby available in your standard-sized uh, dynasty league, what percentage of your fab budget are you comfortable putting in on Higby? I think it, it really depends on who else is out there, but you know, if it's a typical like 25 plus roster spot league and, and he's somehow still in the waiver wire and, and I need a tight end or I, maybe I have like a Delaney Walker ahead of him and no, no real prospect or anything behind him. Uh, you know, I, I think I would go 30 to 50% pretty easily on, on a guy like Higby in, in a typical dynasty league. Yeah. I'm typically a, a very aggressive bidder when it comes to fab and Higby seems like a guy in the 50s I wouldn't have a problem if you really needed him maybe even going as high as 55 percent to make sure to take out anybody else that goes goes with that 50 percent bid Ryan anything to add on Higby no not really I I mean I I guess my only concern there is just how much of a chance is he going to get how 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 consistent are his targets going to be behind those uh, those top four pass catchers, the the three receivers, and then Gurley or, or whoever we are seeing at running back there. But uh, I I like the talent there. It does seem like he's separated from Everett a little bit. So uh, yeah, cert- certainly worth an ad. Worth an ad, no doubt. Uh, there are maybe a few guys in that offense that are worth an ad if they're available. Uh, worth looking into buying into if the if the price is low enough let's go to kansas city and jacksonville i chose gardner Minshew, the quarterback as my selection here he is another ad matt so we get two ads in a row here Minshew probably isn't on a roster in your dynasty league he most definitely isn't if it's a single quarterback league unless it's the deepest of single quarterback leagues and uh, even in a super flex or a two quarterback league most likely you'll find his name as well 22 for 25 passing, 275 yards, two touchdowns, did throw one interception. But guys, if you didn't turn this game off too early because it really turned into a blowout in the third quarter, uh, Minshew looked good. He he seemed confident in the pocket, delivered the ball well, lots of underneath passing. They certainly didn't challenge him too much, but when he did get the opportunities to get the ball down the field, he found his receivers. His touchdown pass to G.J. Chark was an impressive one. Uh, rainbow pass right on the money. Uh, looked good on all those dump-offs and found those running backs and, and tight ends in the passing game. Uh, didn't run quite as much as I thought I would see. Um, really came out of college from Washington State as a guy who liked to liked to scramble around a lot and find uh, find receivers on the run, uh, was will, a willing runner in college, didn't have to do that quite as much in his first contest um, for the Jaguars, but looked good, no doubt, in a super flex or two quarterback league, he's going to be a hot waiver wire ad, certainly a guy that's probably over 50%, uh, we're, we're looking we're looking at multiple weeks for Nick Foles with the injury, uh, those broken clavicles, which is what re- what it was reported on Sunday. Um, we've seen we've seen long term injuries out of those those, those kind of injuries keep keep players out, especially quarterbacks for months. Aaron Rodgers suffered a, a, a broken bone in his uh, collarbone. Um, that was a that was a problem for for multiple weeks and and got into six to eight weeks. Um, we. 
it seems like all the early reports are that Foles is going to be out for quite a while. So it seems like Minshew is going to be the guy that's under center for the Jaguars. I know the weapons aren't necessarily tantalizing as a dynasty owner, but if nothing else, he looked like he could fill the role on Sunday against the Chiefs. Um, got the ball out quickly, made some really nice passes along with those those easier ones, those dump-offs underneath. And overall, I was impressed. So, uh, Ryan, anything to add on Minchu? Yeah, to- totally agree with certainly him as an ad in Superflex Leagues. And, and I don't have a problem with adding him in, in one-quarterback leagues either. But I think in, in Superflex Leagues, he is going to be the top waiver wire ad of the week, maybe the the top target over the first several weeks of course we'll, we'll see how things play out but um, a, a young quarterback who's looking at uh, around half a season as a starter you, you've got to pay attention to even on a, a team like the Jaguars that we don't think of as having a great passing offense but uh, if you think about the the kitchen sink leagues like we play in guys or the Scott Fishbowl which are, are the super flex or two quarterback format I mean uh, I think we'll see some all-in bids for sure for Gardner Minshew. Yeah, and the, the problem I had with that, Ryan, is going all-in on a young quarterback in, in, in Dynasty sounds good in a super flex or two-quarterback league. But we're not talking about a guy that had had a lot of publicity coming in. In fact, you know, you, you go a year prior to the NFL draft, and he was almost out of football. He, he had to get talked back in to – to coming to Washington State and playing football. So it, it just seems like it's extremely aggressive. Now, if you're in a super deep league and these guys don't come along very often, you're not, you're not going to see another quarterback hit the waiver wire or maybe many players at all with any kind of value hit the waiver wire. I can see going all in. I, I won't be doing it myself. Uh, I see 70% range being the max I would stretch out to. That's, that's good to know. I'm going to take note of that. <sighs> I was, okay. was going to say, I think, I think, I think Ryan's right. I think it, the move, I think the only way you're going to get him in a super flex league, honestly, is if you do go all in uh, with that. And I think it's warranted, but I think the move, really the move maybe is to go ahead and go acquire him that way and then trade him because we saw him do this against, you know, n- not quite garbage time performance against a defense that isn't that great to begin with, but his schedule coming up is a bit, a little bit brutal against the Texans in Texas next week. Then he's got the Titans who just, you know, made Baker Mayfield not look very good. Then he's got the Broncos, Vic Fangio defense after that, the Panthers in Carolina, the Saints. So we may get half a season out of him, but this is, this might be a high watermark. So if I, if I go all in on my waiver wire bucks with him and get him, then I think I'm going to be looking to move him almost right away. Yeah, but if you could go all if you're talking about a dynasty league, if you could go all in for a, a second round pick in 2020, you would do that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If I can get yeah. him and then move him for a second, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Hmm. Good point for sure. Uh let's move on to the Washington Redskins and Philadelphia Eagles, Ryan. Who'd we choose there? Yeah, I don't think this is going to be an easy buy uh, in in dynasty leagues. There has been a lot of hype, including from this very show. But I would be sending out some feelers for Miles Sanders. He ended with a, a pretty ugly stat line: eleven carries for twenty five yards, one catch for two yards. Uh, some some positives coming out of that game, though. He did tie for the team lead in in touches among running backs, so a sign that they they are trusting him even early in the season. Um, and and also he had a a long touchdown. I don't know, a fifteen or twenty yard touchdown run 
uh, called back due to uh, due to a hold. So if you you add that into this into this stat line, it looks a lot better. Uh, certainly, still going to cost. I would think a first round pick plus, uh, and and I'm still willing to pay that. Uh, nothing that I've seen from Sanders or honestly from Jordan Howard has has changed my mind on how I feel about him. Yeah, nothing changed my mind either. I watched a lot of that game. I, I feel like I saw every touch that Miles Sanders had, including that touchdown. That was called back. It appeared that that holding uh, penalty came behind the play, did not affect the play. Sanders would have scored on it. And you're right, that that stat line would look a heck of a lot nicer. More than anything else, though, Ryan, he passed the eye test for sure. We, we got to watch him side-by-side side with guys like Jordan Howard and Darren Sproles, and he looked way more explosive than anybody else on the field. And you can probably throw Darius Geis and Chris Thompson into that mix as well. Uh, he, he looked explosive, and, and all the things that we liked about Miles Sanders coming out of Penn State – uh, they they exist and they translated to the NFL level. Um, I I like you looked at that stat sheet and thought really eleven for twenty five that that doesn't seem right and and he had a long of nineteen he had a nineteen yard run in there so he was stuffed a lot. Um, di- many dynasty owners that weren't watching the game though are going to look at that stat line and say oh man I had him in my starting lineup so maybe it didn't lower his price Ryan. But maybe he's a little more available today than he was before his first game. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably the uh, the buying opportunity, and, and that's going to be the case with a lot of these players, um, guys like Mike Evans and and Kyler Murray w- that had quite a bit of hype going in. the The discount is not that they're coming cheaper than they were a week ago. The discount is that they're they're available. Absolutely right. We're going to move on to the Miami Dolphins, or at least what's left of the Miami Dolphins franchise. Uh, They played the Baltimore Ravens, and and it got out of control fast, Matt. Uh, There was a lot of of players you could highlight here, especially on the Baltimore offensive side. Who'd you go with? Yeah, I thought about trying to go with someone like Kenyon Drake, but I just I, I couldn't do it. <laughs> so uh, uh, Hollywood Brown is not my guy, but we have to talk about him, right? Uh, on that first play in the or that first uh, uh, scoring drive in the first quarter, the forty-seven yard touchdown where he just got by everybody, uh, and then later in that same quarter, in the first quarter, you know, just just doubled up on that with an eighty-three yard touchdown again. Just just really looking like he's maybe not quite Tyreek Hill, but sort of sort of in that realm. Like, a player that can be used like that in that situation and it wasn't long ago that uh, even on this podcast we were concerned about Baltimore as a landing spot for not only free agent wide receivers with the way that offense ran last year and questions about Lamar Jackson uh, but also we were really sad when the first receiver off the board went to them uh, in the NFL draft uh, but now it's, it's it's a pretty pretty different story I think um, so Hollywood I don't think you can buy him now at least for not anything reasonable if you can go out and you know, if you want to go out and try to get get him for a first, maybe that does it. But I have a feeling that that's probably not even going to be enough now. So I think we should pivot to if Lamar Jackson is going to be this this passing quarterback. Now he actually only had three rushes in this game, and I'm sure a lot of that was because they could really do anything they want against Miami. But uh, Miles Boykin only one target, but it was for a touchdown in the red zone, five yard touchdown pass. Um, he, again, they didn't really need to use him more, but if he's going to if Lamar Jackson is going to transition to more of a passing quarterback, uh, I, I have a feeling that that. 
that Marquise Brown is going to draw a lot more attention in coming weeks. So that might leave uh, some some more meat on the bone, if you were, for for Miles Borkin. So if you can go and get him for, you know, even if you have to pay a late second, early third, I, I think that could probably get it done on the trade finder. Uh, we, we, we have one where uh, someone traded Devin Singletary for Boykin in a 2022nd. I would do that all day. Uh, another one was a 2023rd straight up for Boykin. Again, this was before this game, but I kind of don't think that one catch on one target for a touchdown is going to move the needle too much for him. So you might want to start out with a third, and if you have to pay a second, then maybe that's the way to go. Another one, if you want to move a player, Tyrell Williams for, for Miles Boykin. So uh, depending on what happens tomorrow night in that game with, with Williams as the wide receiver one, now that AB is gone, uh, that might be a, a kind of a move you can make too for him. So uh, this offense is very exciting, and, and I want every piece of it I can get. You know, It's not quite the Kansas City offense yet. It was just Miami. It's just one game, but uh, I want pieces of it. So uh, if I can't buy Hollywood Brown, I can't buy Mark Ingram or these guys, then give me the next guy up uh, in, in Miles Boykin. It seems to me, Matt, like Boykin is still going to be a long-term play. He's, he's a guy we'd want down the road. I don't think you're going to uh, acquire Boykin on the market on Tuesday and put him in your lineup for this coming weekend. Maybe, I guess maybe if you're a rebuild and, and just trying to add young pieces, uh, don't have a lot of other talent on the roster. I, I think you made a good point there at the end, Matt, though, that if if it says BAL next to an offensive player's name, if, if he's from Baltimore, he's probably a guy you want on your team. You could have highlighted a lot of players. Mark Andrews had a really nice game, 8 for 108. Uh, Willie Sneed even got involved. He caught a couple balls for 41 yards. And, of course, that touchdown, uh, he's free in some leagues. There are leagues where, he, where he's a free agent and made it through the entire offseason. Uh, overall, though, when it comes down to Boykin, they run a lot of multiple tight end sets. That doesn't allow for multiple wide receivers or at least more than two wide receivers very often. Brown seemed like he was on the field the most. Uh, Willie Sneed was on the field quite a bit as well. They mixed in Seth Roberts and, and Boykin, of course, too. So while I agree that Boykin is a buy, uh, it seems to me like a, like a long-term buy more than a 2019 buy for sure. This is this is the other game I was referencing when I said dynasty owners have to make a decision this week on on how they feel about these players and uh, I mean I love Lamar Jackson so I certainly uh, enjoyed his performance and um, and overall was was still surprised by the the production that they showed as as a team but it, we we can't ignore that they're playing a team that wants to go 0 and 16 and and very well may do that. So, I don't think we've seen the real uh the real Ravens. I don't think that that's a crazy statement either. Certainly are not going to put up this type of production every week or or even I don't think we can even expect half of this uh this level of of production uh from Jackson, from Andrews, from Hollywood. So, um Buying any of those guys this week just just seems like a a terrible idea. Uh, Boykin, I'm still on board with uh, due to the price and and both the kind of the long term outlook that uh, that Dan was mentioning. But I mean this this is not a team like the the Chiefs or the Saints or anything like that where I'm going to suddenly view them as an offensive juggernaut and anybody anybody on that roster or anybody on that team is going to be a starter. I don't think we can go there yet. That's fair without a doubt. Let's go on to the Buffalo Bills and the New York Jets. I had 
this game. And, you know, I really struggled, actually, to come up with a guy I, I really wanted to feature here. Um, it seems to me, though, that Devin Singletary has been on the on the minds of Dynasty owners. Uh, had a nice game, no doubt, four, uh, four rushes, 70 yards, five catches, 28 uh, receiving yards as well. Uh, Singletary, you know... I was talking a few minutes ago about Miles Sanders and how he passes the eye test and he's explosive and has that burst and looks like he hits that second gear. While Singletary has some of that, he's he's a poor man's version of that running back. So, um, I you know, I have a real difficult time getting on board with where his value is right now. In very late rookie drafts, he went at the end of first rounds because of all the hype. And, you know, of course, that's post- uh, Shady McCoy being released and, and all the news surrounding what was going on there in Buffalo. Um, but you could see him going at the end of the first. And, and man, I have a hard time giving up a first-round pick for Devin Singletary, especially after everything that happened throughout the offseason, uh, including what happened in, in, in Indianapolis and, and his not-so-great showing at the Combine. Um, it, it just doesn't feel to me like, like he's a long-term option or a long-term um, big playmaker. Uh, 70 yards on four cur- carries certainly suggests otherwise, guys. But Devin Singletary, um, I'd love to get your thoughts on him for sure. Devin Singletary is, is just a guy that really boggles my mind, and I, and I have a hard time gauging his value as a dynasty owner. Yeah, he is. He is the tough one to value. I, I still think, um, I think the hype and the um, the the value bump he got from the McCoy release, uh, factoring in with uh, a solid debut, especially when you factor in the uh, the role in the receiving game he had. I, I think the value is still going to be high enough that I'm I'm going to be staying away, or or I would consider him more of a sell than a buy. Yeah, I I agree. I, I don't I don't want any part of that offense. It just seems I don't know what the word to describe it is. It's like it's like chaos, right? Like it just, and it's all based on the quarterback. Is you know he makes these boneheaded plays, these these errant throws, and then the next play is an amazing throw or uh, you know a nice scramble or whatever, and all of a sudden they're back in in the game. So it just seems like very inconsistent week to week fantasy value, and the way they use all three of these running backs in week one hasn't really made that picture any clearer for us. So uh, I guess if you have them, hold. But I would I would like to sell if if there's somebody that wants to come, uh, like that last one that I mentioned uh, was Singletary for Boykin in a second. I I would take that all day for that. Yeah, if you're gonna get an offer, if you're gonna get a first round pick offer, it'd be hard to hard to pass that up. But like I said, I saw multiple drafts where he was one of the last picks in the first round in with this year's draft class, who I think we all would agree is a strong class and and certainly is filled with guys that we want on our roster. A lot of those guys were highlighted in week one. A lot of guys moved up in rankings, and it seems like they have higher value than they did even a day ago. So it, it's just difficult to difficult to wrap your head around the value of some of these guys. If there's one guy like that, for me, it's Singletary, because I just can't get on board with that first-round valuation for the Bills' rookie running back. Let's move on, fellas, to the Indianapolis Colts and the Los Angeles Chargers. Ryan, you had this one. I did. This was this was another game I, I struggled to really identify a player that I was uh, would confidently suggest buying, selling, 
or, or, or even adding. So uh, I went a little bit off board here and went with Melvin Gordon, obviously the holdout running back of the Chargers. We saw uh, Austin Eckler have a, have a huge game. Uh, he scored three touchdowns. I think he going into the, the primetime uh, games, he's the RB2 on the week. So um, if you were active on Twitter on Sunday, you saw comments like uh, basically referring to Eckler just destroying uh, any any stand that Gordon had or, or any leverage that, that he might have had in his holdout. And, and I do think there's something to that. But basically, this is, this is just a, an economics decision for me. You look at uh, Gordon's July ADP, he was 12 overall. He's currently 33 overall. He is going to come back at some point. Uh, even, even if he does hold out until week 10, he's going to come back. He's going to play for some team. We, we already know he's a talented back. We know he's uh, honestly one of the best running backs in the league. And you, you, we even saw it from Melvin Gordon. I'm sorry, from uh, Le'Veon Bell, who held out the full year, sat out the full year, and his ADP bounced essentially right back to what it was prior to uh, his, his holdout. So um, whether you have Eckler or don't have Eckler, whether you're a contender or not a contender, I think you should be trying to uh, buy Gordon with the uh, idea of eventually selling him for a profit in mind. Yeah, I agree with that, Ryan. And if you look at the trade finder, there's some questionable deals being made. I, I will say Melvin Gordon went for MV, uh, Mark Marquez Valdez Scanling in a 2021 first. You know, uh, uh, Jordan Howard in a, in a it looks like a late 2020 first. So these are prices where you can make a profit. So I'm I'm completely on board with this move. Me as well. It's a clean sweep. Um, there. There are some guys that were certainly worthy of being talked about, especially I, I thought really in Indianapolis, Jacoby Brissett looked good to me. Uh, there were some mistakes, no doubt, but uh, felt like a guy who at least put it, put his, put it, some kind of impact on that game should have alleviated a lot of the haters out there that, that seem to think all those Colts are going to go down in value. Um, I think T Y Hilton's value just went right back to where it was, or at least close enough that T Y Hilton owners shouldn't worry about where he's going to end up week to week uh, among wide receivers. So, so there are guys, uh, I like your choice of Melvin Gordon though, for sure, especially with the news from the weekend that there is an expectation or at least a, a spot in the season of an expectation of when he is going to return. And, and with those prices that, that Matt mentioned there, uh, seems like a bargain, no doubt. I want to give, I want to give a quick shout out to Marla Mack because everybody said that with Brissett, he's not going to be good, but he had 174 rushing yards and a touchdown. I'm just yeah, saying, no, I'm just saying. Look good for sure. Uh, I was one of those guys that was a little worried about him and I took him out of a couple lineups on Sunday morning. So, uh, I get, I guess, uh, I guess I earned that one for sure. Matt, you had the Bengals and the Seahawks. Who do we have there? Seems like a pretty obvious one. Yeah, there's, there's a couple of guys I'd like to talk about for this one, but uh, th- I'm taking this opportunity to go ahead and get out on John Brown if I can. Uh, this, this seems like the time. You, you mean John Ross. I'm sorry. Course. John Ross is what I meant. Yeah. I, have, I, have, I was talking about that Buffalo game. Yeah, John Ross, of course. Uh, seven catches on 12 targets, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Um, and, you know, the first one, 
the, the ball was underthrown, which is kind of common for uh, for Andy Dalton, right? The 55-yard touchdown underthrown. Ross kind of had to slow down, and then the safety kind of jumped early and misplaced the ball, and it just kind of found its way into Ross's hands. The 33-yarder was you know a little bit of a nicer play, not quite as broken coverage, but still, uh, you've been holding Ross on your roster for a long time now. We we've kind of all figured out that I, we think that Boyd is going to be the guy. He did, he had he did have 11 targets of his own, just didn't quite do as much with the touches as as Ross did on those long t- on those long balls. So I think Boyd is still going to be the guy. And then we have we still have AJ Green lurking. You know we don't know exactly when he's going to be coming back yet. Week four, week five, whenever it is. But at some point, AJ Green is going to come back and, and still uh, be the the focal point of that passing offense. So if you can get out on Ross now, you do it. Uh, I don't know if you can get a second. That's probably what I would aim for to start with but if I could even get two-thirds I would probably take two-thirds for Ross at this point and, and get my roster spot back you know Matt Ross looked he looked explosive he looked healthy he was full speed every single play it, it, it was difficult to come out of that game having watched it and and not been impressed with John Ross now I agree that it could just be a flash in the pan and that that one week thing I don't think I'm willing to sell for a couple of third-round picks at this point just in case he's finally healthy enough to get some return on investment. Those third-round picks, you're hoping for somebody that's maybe a little bit useful, really. Um, and I, granted, every now and then there is a home run pick in there. Uh, Ross seems like he, he has a chance to, to kind of rewrite the history books with where his career has gone to this point. I guess my thinking is more that if I get two thirds, then I can use them in a deal to upgrade somewhere else. It, you know, it's like a it's not necessarily a throw in on a deal, but a little bit of a sweetener to to make a make a bigger deal. Whereas Ross, I'm just not sure that that value is going to hold uh, where it is, and I, and I certainly don't believe it's going to keep going up. So whereas those those third round picks are going to keep increasing in value, and I can probably use them better than I could use Ross to to make a move somewhere. Okay, let's go on to the Detroit Lions and the Arizona Cardinals. This was a fun game to watch, fellas. Uh, lots really to talk about in the game. Kyler Murray's first attempt at being an NFL quarterback went well, especially towards the end of the game. The first half, there were there were a lot of uh, head-scratching plays and, and maybe questionable decisions. Ended the game 29-54 for 308 yards and two touchdowns. Did throw the one interception. I'm, I'm going to go with one of his... Pass catchers, however, is my guy. Uh, probably the easiest buy on this list for me. We're going to talk about one more here on on the next game we speak about. Um, it's Keyshawn Johnson, five catches, 46 yards, did not catch a touchdown, but was targeted in the end zone. And speaking of targets, he had 10. So really looked like he was on the field. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the snap count figures from this game. Target, uh, 10 targets. Only third on the team, Larry Fitzgerald had 13, Christian Kirk had 12, but the three of them were the three featured wide receivers on the field in this new air raid offense that uh, really puts these guys on the field, play in and play out. They like to air the ball out, and it seemed like um, Keyshawn Johnson has the eye of his rookie quarterback. So while he did work relatively close to the line of scrimmage for most of those targets, uh, not a lot of real deep downfield throws going his way, uh, with the exception of maybe one or two. Johnson seems like he's in in the plans, big plans for this offense, this coaching staff. I was looking at the trade finder, and of course it's before that game 
happened. Uh, saw a few trades that caught my eye. Keyshawn Johnson for Justin Jackson. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson for a third. Um, you'd regularly see Keyshawn Johnson go in the third round in late rookie drafts. His value because of this five-catch, 46-yard game isn't going to spike drastically. If I can buy him for a third, it's it's an easy buy for me. I, I'd gladly give two-thirds. Uh, I'd, I'd probably even get, if I'm, if I'm a real good team and expect uh, to have a late second, I'd consider giving up that second-round pick for Keyshawn Johnson as well. Ryan, you've been a big Johnson supporter. You had to be encouraged by that effort in week one. Yeah, yeah, I was impressed. And, and as you mentioned, I was uh, mostly uh, excited or, or interested in his uh, in his usage, and he was on the field a ton. Um, again, we kind of mentioned this last week. We don't. That doesn't mean we expect him to overtake Christian Kirk or Larry Fitzgerald this year. But to see him involved that much that soon is a good thing. I think overall the Cardinals' offense was disappointing on Sunday. Uh, certainly made a game of it late, um, but there there's still plenty of reason to have high expectations for the, for the Arizona offense. And uh, we still want pieces of that. Kirk is going to be expensive. Obviously Kyler Murray, David Johnson are going to be expensive. Uh, Keyshawn Johnson is not. So he's, he's the guy I would really be targeting here. Yeah. That I, if I had to project it out though, that's probably going to change over the next few weeks. If that usage continues, they'll continue playing from behind Ryan. Uh, so you'd assume that Kyler Murray is going to, this, this won't be the first 50 attempt uh, game for Kyler Murray. And if that's the case, he's going to get used a lot. See double digit targets, perhaps week in and week out. If, if that happens, Johnson's price is going to go up really quickly. Let's move on to the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Ryan, you had this one. Definitely still a big Amari Cooper supporter, but it wasn't Amari who led the Cowboys in receiving in this game. It was Michael Gallup, who had uh, seven catches for 158 yards. Uh, he, he was second in, on the team in targets behind Cooper. Uh, so his big game is, is going to affect his value. It's going to make him tougher to buy. But just looking at his ADP, it, it really doesn't make much sense. In December of 2018, December of last year, he cracked the top 100 players in our ADP. And since that time, in fact, every month since then, his ADP has dropped until uh, up in, up until August when his ADP was 128 overall. So essentially he's dropped 30 spots for really no reason. I, I, I don't understand even what's happened in Dallas that – that would have caused concern for Gallup. So um, I, I do think we'll, we can expect that to change. We can expect his trade value to, to spike uh, after this big game, but he's still a player that I think, I think there's meat on the bone, even if you're paying um, multiple second rounders or if you're giving up a rookie in a second rounder or something like that, those are the deals I'd be trying to make for Michael Gallup. And Gallup projected out, especially at the end of last season, he, he had a couple strong games, including in the playoffs. Um, a lot of us were were really excited about his upside going into 2019. And then, as you mentioned there with his ADP numbers, he just faded away. And, and maybe we forgot about him until the preseason came along. I was able to add Gallup in a couple of leagues. I'm glad I did. I didn't even have to pay the prices that you mentioned there. I think you're probably in the ballpark, though, Ryan, or, 
it didn't sound like it, but you're you're not quite ready to give up a first for Michael Gallup. Oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not there yet, and and I don't. If I have Gallup, I'm probably not selling for two seconds. So maybe maybe that's you know the sticking point. Maybe I would hold out for a first, but as as a buyer, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, I'm I'm getting close. Uh, he looked dominant at times in week one. Now again, that's only one game. Uh, he mixes really well with what they have going on there in Dallas. We'll see how that goes going forward. The final game we need to talk about, guys, is the San Francisco 49ers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I had this one, and I went down the depth chart, and it's crazy that it's down the depth chart, but it is with Dante Pettis. One catch, seven yards on just one target in the ballgame, and they were throwing it, guys. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, only I guess he only threw it 27 times, but they were spreading the football out. George Kittle, eight receptions after that. Uh, Pettis was sharing time with Marquise Goodwin, Kendrick Bourne even, Richie James Jr., Debo Samuel had a lot of snaps, was on the field regularly, um, and, and it just didn't feel like Pettis was on the field all that much. All that said, I'm still marking down Dante Pettis as a buy. Uh, the talent is obvious. He It seems like he's maybe in a little bit of the doghouse with, uh, with that coaching staff, um, there was multiple reports during the preseason that the coaching staff was trying to get the most out of him, that he was in that doghouse, and it just wasn't quite working out. Um, Pettis still got on the field. Again, only one catch. Um, the cream always rhymes to the, rises to the top, guys. And while I like Debo Samuel and feel like he has a big upside, obviously George Kittle is going to command a big target share there in San Francisco, and they're a team that likes to check down to running backs. Outside of Kittle... There, there isn't another receiver that you that you really fear. Maybe Samuel could be that at some point, but even he was three catches for 17 yards on three targets. Uh, seems like Dante Pettis has to get his opportunity at some point. If his owner in your league is softening on him at all and, and not quite confident that he has exactly what he thought he had over, over the offseason, I'd be pouncing on that one and trying to add Dante Pettis. Yeah, I'm definitely still buying as well. We have to remember that even though he wasn't on an injury report, he was dealing with uh, some kind of groin injury strain, whatever it was. So, uh, and, and they, the Niners just didn't really need him. You know, Kittle got ten targets; nobody else got more than three. So it's not like he was that far off of the target share of everybody else. Not named Kittle back there. So I'm still, I'm still excited about him. I bet you don't even have to pay a late first anymore, as he got up to and the, the peak of his off season hype. You know, so if I can buy him for a second somehow, I'm, I'm all over that. Yeah, I agree as well. And we were talking about Michael Gallup. Pettis and Gallup are probably in that same value range. So uh, a second plus probably gets it done, especially if um, if you're just worried about week one uh, carrying over into the full season with Pettis. So that's going to do it for the week one edition of the DLF Dynasty podcast. We appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed week one of football. Week two is right around the corner. Get those lineups set. Get those bids in for those guys we talked about as well. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast.